Hello and welcome to the A to Z Sports Preds Nashcast, a.k.a. the David Poyle Anger Hour. Coming to you live from Smashville, I'm your host Alex Hardy with A to Z Sports Nashville, here with my co-host Chris Link. We have such a jam-packed show for you today. There is so much to talk about with this team. It's been a while, but before we get going, the show is of course brought to you by Nash House Southern Spoon and Saloon. Make Nash House your pre-game and post-game destination for all Preds home games. We are also brought to you by Tennessee Tickets, TennesseeTickets.com, zero hidden fees, unlike all those other websites. We will talk a little bit more about both of those a little bit later on, but let's get this started. The David Poyle Anger Hour. Link, what do you think? Oh, I I, I think um, it, it's so perfect because I'm, I'm basically, that means I can be like the the big golden hulk of, of just being mad at Poyle all the time, which is how I exist. Well, I'm always angry at him for something. I think that there's a lot of people out there who have been angry at David Poyle, maybe some that still are. One person who probably doesn't like David Poyle too much right now is Peter LaViolette. Or his turtle. <laughs> or his turtle. Because as we will definitely talk about on today's show, Peter LaViolette was fired from the Predators uh, last week, about a week ago, to, yeah, a week ago tomorrow. And um, we are going to talk a lot about that. The team went through a terrible slump. We had the Winter Classic in there, a really, really long kind of stretch of just bad hockey. So the Preds fire their coach. Then they hire a new one. We're going to talk about that a lot today. We will also debut a new segment today uh, that that, uh, that Link came up with that we're going we're gonna to do a little bit later on. We'll have the five-on-five five and more. Uh, real quick, let's recap the Preds since our last show. Besides the big moves... They've gone. They've had ten games since our last show. They went five, four, and one in those ten games with wins over the Bruins, Coyotes, Kings, Blackhawks, and the Jets. Just about an hour ago. So basically, five hundred with an asterisk. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Five hundred. Which in in this day and age where this team is, five hundred hockey is just not going to do it, right? I mean, that's that won't nope. make you the playoffs. Um, that's eleven points out of a possible twenty. Bunch of losses in there. The Penguins a couple times. The Winter Classic, of course. They lost to the Ducks in the shootout. Um, but what has been your impression over the team over the last, just, just looking on the ice, we're going to talk about Laviolette, but on the ice, what have you seen that has been, that has stood out the most over these last 10 games or so? Well, over the last 10 games. So one, the, 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 the stat, I, I barely even a stat that I shared with you before we started recording is you, know, you gave us the last 10 games. Well, mm-hmm. yes. I, lo- I was curious what the last 10 games under Peter Laviolette looked like. And that was a very exciting uh, three five and one. Actually, I'm missing something. Three six and one. Three six and one. Three six and In one. The last ten games of Laviolette's tenure. Yes, that is actually. Sorry, I, I need to be two. Yeah, three six and one. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you count the um, one that Heinz was more of a bench observer, and then they actually improved to three six and one. Yeah, it's like that. That game is like almost this like dead space in between the two. It's like, what do we even do with that game? But um, so impressions were, wait, this is a bad team. <laughs> Probably that's what you, that was your thought. Yeah. I mean, it, that was when I just was you know, throwing things out on Twitter. Like, you know, this team makes me sad. You know, I want to enjoy watching hockey again. <laughs> they were you know, not, they pull, were not pull me out of the doldrums. I mean, really the, uh, the, the winter classic was a bit of a backbreaker. Yeah. I think for, for myself and for a lot of people, because it started so bright. I mean, getting two goals out of the power play. Right. In that, in, in, in the, the cotton bowl. I mean, it was an incredible looking event, obviously way too crowded and some there were other you know, logistical issues, but, you know, but that was not like, those were, you know, I want to say Lambert, but it's Lambert. I know. Yeah. yeah. 
I think they, actually, I think people have been calling him Lambert. And have they? I'm not entirely positive of which which it is. I, I'm not sure myself. We I have, haven't heard him actually say it or we have, we have go one way or another. Auberg Oberg situation. Yeah. Um, you know that was him, and then the team got to play, back to playing Pierre Laviolette hockey, and and promptly nose dived. Yeah. Um, nose dove. I don't know. They dove their um, noses. Yeah, they definitely dove, and they dove bad, and they broke their nose in the process. Uh, <laughs> and that whole game just turned into something that was so like the first we were so triumphant, and there was like you know the the the, the you saw like Arvison get heroically maimed and yeah. There, so uh, that that game is such so I it to me it is just this pivotal moment, obviously, because the result on the ice was so bad. They lose Ryan Ellis for a long time, probably. Oh, what did I say? Yeah, I meant Ryan Ellis. Arvison. I, I, I assume that's what you meant. And then, but then at the same time, I I agree with you. I think that was probably the final straw. I mean, because it had to be because the team the team then went on to beat the Kings and then lose to the Ducks in the shootout. I, I would be willing to bet that Poyle didn't say, "Well, three out of four points in California, that's not going to cut it." I think he already made his mind up. I think that was it. And. The Winter Classic was kind of the final straw because of the, how badly the team looked in the second and third period against eighty or in front of eighty five thousand people. Yeah, and I, I recall Laviolette saying, "Laviolette, man, this is this is why you do a podcast regularly. And when you miss a week, your whole mind just goes to sludge. Uh, you just you just immediately fall out of practice." No, David Poyle, the yeah. guy, the GM of the team, uh, said something about like this had been on his mind since the playoffs last year. Yes. That is, we know that Lavila is a patient man, but he invites new levels of patience that I have never known. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's been something else. And, um, you know, you know my, my sort of timeline that I have in mind of how this whole thing worked based on something, something that you just said, I, I think it's probably likely that at the end of last year, David Poyle went to Peter Laviolette and said, uh, you've got to do something either Kevin McCarthy or the power play related. And it basically came down to like, this is your last chance. And he said, Nope, Kevin's staying. I'll hire a third coach. Lambert, Lambert comes in. There's good results at the beginning, maybe back to normal now. And that was it. And, and, and David Poyle knew that there was this like code of tightrope that he was walking. And then it just got to be, you know, they, he fell off the tightrope. So uh, I, and so I do think it starts last spring and then obviously finished in uh, early January of this year. So I think that firing Kevin McCarthy would have been another one of those moves that sort of staves off something that's inevitable. Because, you know, if you have a power play, and the power play is a is special teams. Special teams is special. It's a ta- sort of, but it's a right. part of a process overall. So that even if you bring someone new in just to coach the power play, whether you have McCarthy behind the bench or not... Uh, it still has to exist underneath the head coach. Yeah. So could the Predators power play co- uh, led by Lambert Lambert to be decided, mm-hmm. um, could it begin to look different under John Hines? I think it definitely could. Not that it's going to be not a, a, a I'm going to just pick one, a, a Lambert difference. Like yeah. it's going to be, you know, he's going to really change things up. It's still going to have his touch all over it but it's going to be within the greater theme of John Hines's system. Sure. Whereas what I really think we saw, you know, in Dallas was a little bit of puck luck but also his style of power play and then having to mesh within the Dallas you know within within the um within Laviolette setup and we see things just dissolve. Yeah. Um 
so the the the, the firing was was obviously inevitable. I mean this this has been the last uh, let's call it a week has been probably one of the more important and kind of eventful stretches for the Nashville Predators maybe ever. I mean, this has been such a monumental moment. I mean, you could go back to the the Barry Trotz departure with Laviolette hiring. I mean, that was obviously big. And I, I wrote an article about how uh, impactful Peter Laviolette was on this team. I mean, the, the, it's undeniable how much success they've had. Yeah, yeah. And the, you can't get away from that. But this is this was necessary. This was completely necessary to make this move. Yeah. I mean, we talked... I think it was a while back, you and I, about how, you know, the, the, the time, the amount of time that LaViolette was in Nashville, it's not like, I don't want to talk about the whole, oh, LaViolette's only got a few good years, you got to get rid of him type mm-hmm. thing. But in general, hockey coaches don't last that long yeah. in their jobs. If you're signing a guy to more than five years and then you sign an extension, I mean, do you really expect him to play into that or to coach into that extension? I wouldn't, not in the NHL, not in, not in this NHL. It just doesn't happen. Yeah. So really, you know, Laviolette, five years, five, you know, good years. Okay. I mean, great. Yeah. Time to move on. It's just, it's kind of existence and he'll still get paid out the rest of his contract unless mm-hmm. he finds another job. Yeah. Um, and, you know, who knows? There's a lot of speculation. Maybe he'll just sit and wait for Seattle yeah. to come along. And I think that'd be great. I think, he, I think guy like Laviolette, for our expansion team, perfect. You could have a lot of fun up there, do sure. some good work. Yeah. What What was your re- What was your instant reaction when you saw the fire? When you first saw the news, what was your instant uh, reaction? You know, I, I think you'd be surprised how low key it was. Um, <laughs> I was surprised. I really, really did not expect it. If I said that I expected a mid season firing, I would be lying. Um, so there was definitely some shock, uh, and then mostly the timing, because yes. you know there was a game the next day. <laughs> And they announced no interim, and McCarthy was going with them. So you're down to two coaches. So unless the goalie coach is going to come marching out and 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 hang out on the bench and maybe run the you know the penalty kill, I don't know what's going on. Yeah, uh, I you know Poyle pulled things together pretty quickly. Uh, we had to suffer through um, the Boston game in the process. Um, I, I was shocked as well. Shock, surprise was mine as well, and then immediate. Wondering why there was not an interim named, then the, the debate about who that should be, uh, who the new coach was going to be. Um, and we're going to talk in, in just a second about, about John Hines, but um, the the Laviolette end was not at all when I thought it was going to happen. I mean, I really, and I, I wrote a lot about this, I, I definitely thought he would get the rest of the year. I thought he would have to miss the playoffs, which was definitely going to happen, uh, t- and then get fired in the summer. Uh, and then especially with trying to institute a brand, I mean, changing systems in the middle of a season with a new coach who's not been in your city is just really tricky to do. And we'll see how it works out. But it, I mean, that is, that is a, such a risk to take. It is. But if the difference is, you know, do you, you, you know, there's, there's increasing likelihood you're going to miss the playoffs. You fire the coach, bring someone new in, try to inject some energy and hope you catch fire and go on a run maybe you correct it and you you can scrape in as as a as a bubble team or maybe you go on a ridiculous tear you try and copy the st louis blues and and you end up somewhere in in the top three yeah impossible to say what's going to happen right now um and we're just starting to see the new system come into play um can i just say i'm, I'm really actually very glad they did not go with carl taylor not because i don't like him as a coach i think he's great 
but that would have been setting a guy up for for failure uh, oh. if if they had just jumped Call Taylor from AHL to NHL midseason. Oh, unquestionably. Terrible. I mean, yeah, that would have been bad. You know, you need you need good coaches in the AHL, especially when he's he's shown that he can work with players, he can develop players, and with as thin as the prospect pool is at this point in Nashville in, in Milwaukee for yeah. Nashville. You know, it's it's a little bit scary because most of the exciting talent is either still in Europe or it's it's, it's in minor hockey. Yeah, um, not minor league hockey, like minor like, age like hockey. Juniors, yeah, yeah, right. junior hockey. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's the term people use. I'll, <laughs> I'm gonna keep drinking coffee until like I can string together a sentence because I am not doing great. They're playing in the old, the the old, o- old. OHL. Yeah, as they say the in Canada, old. the old, the old, like the wool. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get to it. We're gonna talk about John Hines in a second, but before we do that, the Preds Nashcast is brought to you by Nash House Southern Spoon saloon if you want a great place to go to before preds games that isn't uh you know a typical honky tonk with tourists everywhere go to pred go go to the nash house because it's got great food it got great drinks drink selections uh really great atmosphere uh i usually try to check it out before most home games on my way to you know do my duties as as media but um Located on 8th Avenue in the Cambria Hotel, uh, same building as the Cambria Hotel. You can park up to two hours for free, free parking in downtown Nashville. Are you kidding me? And then go to the game, come back afterwards, go hang out with your friends at the Nash House after the game as well. That is the Nash House Southern Spoon and Saloon on 8th Avenue. Go check it out. Okay, so I want to read you this quote from John Hines uh, in his press conference. And look, I know press conferences are not the best time to, to analyze how a coach is going to do. They're all going to say that it's the same things. But this stuck out to me uh, because it's it was, it was a little bit more specific in kind of the things that he, he wants to see. And it was this sort of term that he kept bringing up about fighting for middle ice. He said, we want to fight for middle ice. We want to have a strong middle lane drive. We want to have a shot mentality, strong net foot presence, five guys involved in the offense. And, and this sort of this idea of, of just worrying about the middle of the ice, not even thinking about the outside or not even going out there, really only worrying about that is a focus that I think the Predators will, will create a much more effective game uh, when they actually do it right. And I think that they have the, the skills to do that. And, um, I guess I guess I just want to get your take on that. What did you think about this sort of focus on just just keeping the fight on the middle ice focus? Yeah, well, it's basically the inverse of what Laviolette's approach was. His his whole thing was the the overload system. You are throwing everything you got the ice in hopes to generate chaos. Um, and I've I've said in past shows that used to be a really kind of progressive way to play offense, especially with as systematic as as Laviolette took of an approach. It was very uncommon. But it's not modern anymore. It's fallen to the wayside. It's not as effective. It's been scouted. So the new system focused on on high danger areas. Honestly, you're gonna see immediately. You're gonna see a drop in just the number of shots. I mean, the number of forty game forty shot games. Yeah. You're gonna see from the Predators is going to decline. Yes. Because they're not just gonna be flinging the puck at the net from random angles and bouncing pucks off of yeah you know, they're, they're, off of pads. Their Corsi number is gonna take a hit. People are just going to have to get, get over that. It's yeah. not going to look as good. But we, what we hope is that their goal share numbers and their high danger numbers go up and to compensate. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I, I agree that it lends to the Predator's skill set. Now, one thing that I said, I think I might have put this over Twitter, so I'll you know, record it for posterity here, <laughs> is uh, you know what Heinz had in, in New Jersey was a lot of speed. So he has less speed in Nashville. Now... There are fast guys in the team. I mean, Grimaldi tears down the ice. Arvidsson can skate pretty well. Um, th- there's definitely some speed, but not 
to the degree that he had in in uh, in in for the Devils. But I think there's a lot of talent in the skaters with guys who can make moves. I mean, we saw Arvidsson just today make a really nice spin move that poke check from Helibuck is the only thing that stopped the goal probably. Today in the, in the uh, game against the Jets, yeah. Yeah, Fors- yeah against the Jets. Uh, Forsberg is always capable of those sort of things. You know, Johansson, J- Johansson, man. Mm-hmm. I always want to call, I just so badly want to call The soft Johansson. J. Yeah, well, it just feels more natural. <laughs> yeah. uh, Johansson, Duchesne, great passing vision. They can make really good stuff happen. So I think it's going to be a little bit, it's more of, it's also going to be an adaptation from Heinz because he's going to be working with more playmaking skill style players. Yes. Rather than speed players. Yeah. So, you know, before when he was using speed to get gain the zone and create chances, they're going to use as much speed as they can get. And when you have the guy in the ice, like a Rocco Grimaldi who can do that, you'll probably still see it. You'll probably, he'll probably have to adapt a little bit, which I think we're seeing mm-hmm. as far as more progressive passing, maybe a few more passes uh, than, than you might have seen in New Jersey. Ideally, again, end result being a lot of high danger chances. Certainly the shot charts we've been looking at for the Predators mm-hmm. over the past couple games look a lot better. Yeah. Really all in front of the net. A lot more goals happening from those. Uh, so it gets me pretty excited. Yeah. Uh, there's still some concerns for me in the back end, but I don't, they're not system related. I think they're still personnel. Yeah. So uh, it, it, de- defensively, actually, I think is where John Hines is going to make the biggest difference. Um, I think what we saw with the lobby let era was a, as you said, a flood of shots, get everyone in the offensive zone, cycling the puck defend defenseman coming down behind the net. You got, you got Roman Yossi circling the, and then, and then defense or uh, forwards having to cover on defense. So that's why you see crazy stuff like Rocco Grimaldi having to drop back and play on a two on one. I mean, this stuff happens all the time in the lobby let era. And uh, to be honest, it wasn't always unsuccessful. I mean, you saw a lot of really fun hockey under under Laviolette, but the difference now is you're not going to see defensemen jump up in the play as much. I mean, Roman Yossi is about the only one. Ryan Ellis, when he comes back, he'll do it too. I bet Elkholm is going to stay back a lot more. I bet Fabro will stay back more. I sure hope Dan Hamu stays back more. <laughs> Which is gonna well, it's gonna serve them well because that's the the roles that they excel yeah, at. Exactly. Uh, yeah. it, it's it's gonna help with those numbers and. You know, they're staying tighter in the defensive zone. They're holding a, a better formation. It's more of a zone defense compared to a man-to-man, uh, which is great because I think in some cases the puck's coming to the defend defender rather than everyone chasing. Yes. Right. Uh, so there's a little bit less room for the the defensive structure to collapse because that was the big thing yeah. that we were seeing under Love out this season is that as offensive pressure continued because mm-hmm. they couldn't get the puck out, they would the, 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 the structure of the defense would collapse very gradually, and then the high-danger chances would start off, and a goal would happen. Exactly. Or a predator player would make a significant error that would result in a goal. Yeah. Um, what we're seeing now is that the other team is still kind of hemmed to the perimeter more, but the team is a lot tighter towards the middle of the ice, the predators, um, in, defensively, so that... They're able to recover the puck a little bit more cleanly. There's a defender in front of the net who's always there supporting the goaltender, mm-hmm. who's able to clean up and, and recover the puck. They're still struggling, in my opinion, to move the puck out of the zone. Yeah. But I wonder, you know, I think that's more personnel dependent. Mm-hmm. So they're down they're down Ellis, so that's a big issue. Yeah. They Fabric still have and- guys, you know, they still have, I mean, you know, 
Tonorti is doing okay. <laughs> he had a real bad giveaway. I'll tell you what, Jets. it's pretty astonishing how much even Tonorti can look like a serviceable defenseman yeah. in this system. Um, he did, still does, still doesn't yeah, work I, here, but I, big thing, real quick, because I know we gotta we gotta keep pressing forward. But yeah, we're, we're good. Watson being scratched is oh, a man. huge boon because yes. he's part of the reason you can't get the puck out. Yeah. So replacing and honestly. Anyone listen to this, if you could, you, if your choice right now, and this is, you know, you have a choice. You can have Austin Watson, Colin Blackwell, Yakov Trenin. Like, I mean, what are you going to, what are you going to pick? I, I'm picking Yakov Trenin. Uh, it, well, you have to pick two of the three. Oh, two of the three? Oh, yeah. Trenin and Blackwell. Yeah. I sure. mean, and then I, I'm at the point now where when Colton Sissons is, is back, He's got to fight for ice time. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Trennan has been fantastic. <laughs> Trennan has been fantastic. Um, I always wonder if Sissons may be... Uh, is, I'm trying to think of, of of wings if Sissons is competing directly with Trennan or Blackwell. I'm sorry. Colton Sissons is a center because all Predators forwards are centers. Yeah, every Predator is a center. <laughs> um <laughs> So, you know, on on the Playmakers, uh, I, want, I want to say this about the Playmakers, um, because you mentioned this as well. This new system, I think, relies on its individual Playmakers a lot more because when the defense is not pressuring so much in the offensive zone, the Playmakers have to make plays. They ha- they got to they gotta create some space. And guys like Duchesne, Forsberg, Johansson can do it. Arvidsson can do it in a certain kind of way. He's not really a playmaker, but he can do it in kind of a way just providing a lot of speed. Tourist can definitely do it when he's got the right tools around him. And maybe even Granlund, we haven't seen a lot of that, but I think he did that in Minnesota, can all create space. They can all do that. They've got the skills to do that. They have been kind of forced into a role where they're having to do a lot more outside of their their comfortable level. I mean, it, maybe they're, they're having to cover a lot more defensively or they're having to protect while, you know, while Roman Yossi is skating around or while Ryan Ellis is doing his thing, they've got to kind of protect a little bit, be a little bit more defensive. They don't have to worry about that. They, they know they've got the middle of the ice covered back behind them. They can kind of do a little bit more. So I think the, the you know, the offense in another way of putting it, the offense doesn't try to drive the attack by just possessing the puck as much as possible. They do it by getting their playmakers, the puck and seeing what they can do individually. And I mm-hmm. think that this team has the capability of doing that. Yeah, uh, so I just one thing that's interesting just about the Jets game in specific is that the possession numbers is just go with Corsi percentage dead even fifty fifty. Yeah, but that's the Predators exceeded obviously excelled when it came to making those high danger chances happen, um, and that was what got by Hellybuck. I mean, Hellybuck had a great game. I mean, you can talk about if it was a boring game, but Hellybuck. If not for him, it's easily three zero two zero. I mean, it's not going to be a high scoring game, but there's there were more goals in that game. Saros played great too. I mean, they had they had some chances. You know what's interesting about that? You you point that out. And I just thought of this. So many of these Jets Predators games are just like these huge, like own one team. Own, and most of the time, it's the Jets owning the Predators in terms of the the chances and everything. It's just like how is this game? I mean, it's like you know five four and six three. This is the first time ever between Predators and Jets. I looked this up. That the score was one nothing at the final, hmm. first time ever, um, with the Predators obviously winning. So I, 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 that doesn't say a whole lot. The, Pred- the Jets haven't been around that long, but uh, you know, there's not a lot of low scoring games, a lot of really high event hockey. And this time it was like, let's slow it down and get it get it pretty boring and protect the middle of the ice and make the Jets have to have to uh, take shots from the outside. I'll tell you, the Jet, the Winnipeg Jets have decades of history. Decades. decades. Now, now it is. Is it is it plural yet? I think they're in their first decade, aren't they? 
When did they when did they start the Jets? Oh, the new Jets? 2011? I was, I don't even I, you think I'm I know stats about the new Jets? <laughs> uh I know no. it's cold and something about not having an airport. Yeah, I don't know. I don't get the airport thing. I don't know I why don't. people harp on that. So, I think uh, just to just to put the wraps on this, I think that the John Hines era, which is, you know, it's 2 and 1 and 0 oh, if you really want to count that first game. If I you don't, don't it's 2 I and 0. Oh. Yeah. I'm going to go 2 and 0. Oh. 2 and 0 oh, uh, cuz that that Boston game is just this like dead space in between the that two. That was eras. that was damn use head coach, which is not <laughs> That's true. That's not going to go the on damn use era was was a, was very short-lived. Can we petitioned to get that called the Dan Muse game. Uh <laughs> so, Dan Muse era. Yeah, the, the Dan Muse era is a pretty much a flop. So uh yeah, Dan Muse fine he's fine no yeah nothing against the mu's that was that was the 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 ashes (laughs) that that, that were the the peter laviolet it was an impossible situation yeah um let's go ahead and move on to the five on five um the five on five is brought to you by tennessee tickets tennessee tickets.com zero hidden fees unlike all those other websites you go to ticketmaster ticketmaster whatever it's called you are going to pay a lot of extra money than what that price of the ticket is trust me if you haven't done it just go check it out you'll see but instead, you should go to TennesseeTickets.com to get your tickets to Preds, Titans, home, home and away games, college sports, concerts, all that stuff. You can actually use promo code AZ10 to save another $10 off of your already savings by using Tennessee Tickets. So go get some tickets to an upcoming Preds game under new coach John Hines, and uh, you'll pay a lot less than you would if you went to other websites. So are you ready for this? Five on five? I, I never am, but I still... Have you been I, preparing? I've been, yeah, I've been meditating for a week. Okay. So the first one, I actually... This is so perfect. I actually had this one lined up for the last time, and then we, we bumped the five on five. Um, how far away from an empty net do you think you would have to be to reliably shoot the puck in? So we have seen Yossi and Ellis hit like 200-foot shots, and then, of course... The all-time greatest predator so far, Pecorine, finally scores a goal from about 190 feet away. Uh, it was pretty incredible. It made, you know, headline news everywhere for a goalie goal. And for that one to be just, I mean, he just, he absolutely shot that puck perfectly. But back to the question, how far away from an empty net do you think you would have to be to reliably shoot the puck in? I don't know. Give me, I would gen- generously give me like 30 feet. Like, oh, okay, that's pretty good. I mean, that's, I mean, but that's like, that's, you know, just shy of the top of the circles. Yeah, right. That's, that's for me to get the puck on the net. I was going to go with myself, I was going to go 20 feet. That's what I was going to okay, say. Okay, maybe I'm being ambitious, but I'm also thinking about just like pushing the puck no, I, gently along the ice. I think that that's pretty close. I mean, 20 to 30 feet, that's, that's pretty close for in terms of the ice. If you'd yeah. said like five, I would have been like, I think you could do that. Yeah, now, now, if there's other people on the ice, let's go with like four feet. Yeah, like two so, feet. Yeah, I know. I think I think we're talking empty net, no one around you, just shooting pucks in. Yeah, I'm, I think I think you know from. I mean, I don't think that's unreasonable. Yeah, I think that's the same with me. So, um, all right, that was question one. Question two. People, everyone's like, these guys are full of crap. <laughs> Have you ever tried to grow a beard? And if so, how far did you get? I mean, did did I had I already shaven when we were recording together? I guess so. I didn't yeah, no, know. I had a, I had a, I had a beard from. Uh, I only shaved it off, just, just over three years ago. Okay. So I had a beard from like two thousand five. How big? How, how, how full are we talking? I mean, it was just a normal beard, like okay. not. It was. It wasn't like a huge one. Okay. Um, and I had it, and I accidentally shaved it off for a job interview. Um, and then I immediately grew it back, and, and, and I grew it back better. I, my first beard was a very trashy beard because <laughs> I was uh, I was very young and inexperienced at growing beards. The second one was was better. Gotcha. Now, 
I have like too much. My, my, the hairs on my cheek are so blonde. It just looks like I have a goatee and it's embarrassing. <laughs> not to well, say anybody who have goatees are, are embarrassing. Just for me, it's not my look. So I tried to grow a beard uh, a couple times when I was coaching soccer. I, when we made the, you know, the playoffs or whatever district tournament or whatever, I tried to grow a beard and uh, eventually we went pretty far. It got pretty long and I just, I actually have bad memories of it. It was just scratchy and it grows in a very weird way for me. It, well, it, Never takes, again. it takes a good month of focus and wanting to do it to, to, yeah. to start getting there. I actually, fortunate, I don't get any itchiness with with a beard. Oh, really? None. Oh, man, that's the worst part for me. So I asked the beard question because, of course, hockey playoffs are just about three months away. So uh, you got to start thinking about your playoff beard if you're going to grow one out there. Um, a lot of good beards on the Predators. Obviously, there's Ryan Ellis. I think, uh, let's see, who else has one? Um... Uh, Yossi usually like, has often has. Yeah, a beard. Yossi Yossi grows a good one. That's true. A good yeah. beard. Ellis is clearly the best. Ekholm has a pretty good one too. Yeah. All right. Um, all right. If you played in the NHL, what jersey number are you going with? Uh, Forty-two. Forty-two. Yeah, because I'm a big old nerd. Okay. Wait. Why? Oh, uh, it's uh, it's the um, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy answer to the Life Universe and everything. Oh. The question of what is the answer to, to Life Universe and so everything. So wait a minute. Is, so do most hockey players that go with 42, is that why they go with that? I I, don't I honestly sure. don't know. Maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm just a big old dork. And there so we that's go. what I go with. Dorky numbers. My number is 15. Uh, it's just always the number that I got. Uh, no, real, no real fascinating story behind that. I just, that's what I had in high school and that's what I have now. So, um, more questions about yeah, hockey. I actually, I have a I have a UTC Mox hockey jersey upstairs with forty two on it. Nice. Yeah. Um, question four. Okay, this is kind of an either or. Would you rather be fast in hockey or strong? Would you rather be fast or strong? Would you rather speed up and down the ice, or would you rather be strong and fierce and feared? Can I can I ask an exhausting question? <laughs> of course. Does does this question? include overall general skating talent is it yes. strong and a good skater but you're not super fast or yes. like so you're a good skater either way you're, you're a good skater either way um me personally i'd rather have the strength me personally yeah okay as long as i'm a good skater but if i'm like austin yeah. watson no i'll take the speed right like right, i'd right. rather like i'd rather be rocco grimaldi than austin watson okay gotcha no that makes sense yeah, yeah. I, I think i would rather be I mean, this, this is such an uh, obvious answer. I'd rather be like a Connor McDavid, like speed. <laughs> obviously, obviously, everyone would be rather. It's be fantasy time, yeah. Yeah, but I, I think that oh. there's something just so fascinating about watching a skater just blow by everybody, and it's just like I mean, you can't even touch him. It's it's nuts. Well, but see, I so the the guys I loved growing up, it was you know Eric Lindros was the man, mm-hmm. and. You know, I always, like, even until as, as recent as, like, the 2010s, always idolized the power forward. Right. Even though power forwards have kind of, they don't really exist in the same way now that they did. Right. That's always, like, I'm always like, oh, that those guys, the guys who could score, like, 40 goals, and they're not that fast. They just, like, bowl by people, yeah. and they have great skill. Yeah. Uh, I always loved those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like, the same thing. Like, I'm not a huge football person, but, like, like, like fullbacks. Mm-hmm. I always thought that's, like, the coolest position, because they just, just, like, yeah, just give me the ball. I'm just going to run through people. Like, I always loved that. So, you know, when I would pl- you play, like, the NCAA football games and those are out, I always, like, you know, make my guy the fullback and just, you know, plow through people. I don't know. I've always I've always uh, really enjoyed that. It, I kind of miss the power forward on a thing anymore, but it's probably for the best. I think there's something about the, 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 the strength being um, 
I mean, there's something about just physically dominating someone, but also you know, with speed, I I think it's almost in a way more like <laughs> just destroying the other team because you're 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 saying like just not for for a hockey for such a physical sport for them not to even be able to touch mm-hmm. you is just so great to me. And in my and in the, the league that I play in right now, it, there's no physical contact anyway, so it doesn't really matter if you're fast or strong. They can't even touch you either way. But uh, I, I would rather be so much faster than anyone. So here, uh, my here's my final word on this, and this is maybe the deciding factor for me. Speed is going to be one. I mean, there's obviously work about skating talent and practice and things like that and and form, but speed is very genetic to me. Like, you know, if you're not built for speed. You're never gonna get speed. That's that's um, true. So you can build strength. You can get strength yeah. if you've got a frame, and you're willing to put the work in. Yeah, you can make up for that. So if you're a good skater but you don't have speed, you can make yourself strong and compete in that way. And I like. I mean, as someone like you know who's in the gym four or five days a week, that's appealing. Like yeah. that feels more obtainable because I'm never like I was never gonna be a sprinter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do have to have this, a certain body type for that. Well, you mentioned football, and so that leads me to question number five. Uh, do you watch the NFL at all? I, I don't think we've uh, ever talked about this. We, I know, I know, you know, we're both soccer fans. You're a huge uh, Tottenham Hotspur fan. Um, I know that you watch that. I know you watch a lot of other things on TV other than sports. But do you watch the NFL? Uh, I watch um, the Odd Eagles game. Um, I mean, I don't like have a football package, so I can only watch the Eagles when they're on national TV. Sure. Um, so I see them occasionally on national TV. Uh, when I'm at visiting family in in Pennsylvania, I, you know the games are on no matter what because uh, that you know the Eagles are the religion for my family. So it, um, family wise, it, it is a big thing in your family. Yeah, yeah. huge. Eagles okay. are a huge deal. So okay. um, you know I, I follow them enough to be able to hold a conversation, um, but beyond that, I don't seek it out. No. Okay. So you, did you watch the the Titans win the beat the Baltimore Ravens at all? No, I was out to dinner during the game okay. and. The restaurant was absolutely dead. Like there was, it was me and my fiance, and then there was like a table with okay. four, like a four top that was full on a Saturday night at seven thirty. Was this like a popular restaurant? Or? It's the last two times. So it's my my fiance and go probably like almost twice a month to this place. Okay. The last few times, like we've had to wait to get a seat. Okay. Um, on a Saturday, it's like normally how it is. But I, th- I'm like, is everyone maybe watching the game? Like even the there's two waiters. The owner were there. They were like when they weren't helping out. Watching they the were they had an iPad with the game on, so like <laughs> everyone's like you know leaning over like That's oh hey what's the you know what's the score look like? Yeah, so right. I mean it was definitely right next to us, and and you know I was you know I, I chatted with people a little bit, but I I don't. It doesn't know. overall interest you, not necessarily. No, if it's the Eagles, I'll care a little bit. Um, as you know the 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 just to sound so so dreadful, the owner of my gym is a big Cowboys fan. Okay. And, but he knows, like, he, he tries to, like, trash talk, but I'm just like, okay. I mean, if you say so, I can't, like, I can't really disagree with you because I don't have enough knowledge. Right. Um, okay, well. Th- I, saw, I saw the Derrick Henry, right? Is that the name? Yeah. Uh, touchdown pass, which was hilarious. And that I was loved great. every second of that. That was great. Yeah, and, we, and so we had, we had a, a, a huge running back throwing a touchdown pass, and we had a, a goalie scoring a goal in Nashville in the same week. So that was pretty entertaining. Um, but uh, all right, good. That was a great five-on-five segment. Let me just give you your, uh, your stats here. You uh, you did not give up a goal. You did not score a goal. You played really solid defensive hockey in that in that five-on-five link, and um, I think John Hines would be proud. I felt I felt like I was playing defensive hockey. <laughs> 
Okay, let's move on to a new segment today. We are going to do this one every now and then. I think this is a really good one, and it's called Say One Nice Thing About the Nashville Predators. You came up with this segment. I, 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 dude, I have two. I have two today. If I can do two, yeah, of course. How okay. about you do one, then I'll go, and then you do your second okay, one. Okay. So I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do the obvious one because I've been waiting for this to happen for 12 years, and that is that Pecorini scored a goal. <laughs> Pekka scored a goal off of a shot. Off of a shot, which is so uncommon. I think that was the only f- the fifth goal scored off I a think shot. It's the oh. seventh. Six or seven, but anyway, okay. Yes. Well, it's six, something like that. Um, like since 1917. That's insane. Uh, it was a beautiful moment. He's been talking about it for years. You know what's so funny is if if you watch, there's a there's a clip out there of all of the goalie goals from like throughout history, the, the ones we have tell you know footage of, mm-hmm. and it's like every one except for like two or three are just like. The puck rimming around the thing, and then the goalie just got credit for it. It's just like, oh, this is really disappointing. Yeah, they're usually accidents. Exactly. And the only guys who go for them, like, um, you know, Brodeur obviously Porter. would try for yeah. them. And Jose Theodore. Um, Hextall. Hextall, is, yeah. I mean, but it's like the the goalies he, who are like... He had one in the playoffs, right? No, Brodeur had one in the playoffs. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Hextall had... He actually scored two. Hextall, like, the back-to-back season? I can't remember. He was like... He scored two, and it was almost like if he'd scored a third, he would have had like a goalie hat trick, which is just scoring three goals in a row for any goaltender. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, which is only held by Martin Brodeur, the only guy to score three. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, yes, that is that is probably. I mean, if the Predators don't make the playoffs, that's the highlight of the season, well, I mean, right? One, it it frankly overshadowed the win. It <laughs> overshadowed Colin Blackwell's first career goal. That's crazy. Um, I mean, it just basically took over. Everything and I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It's like yeah. one of the best, most pure moments you can get in hockey yeah. is a goaltender scoring a goal, especially with his. Can we talk about how clean that shot was? Oh my gosh, perfect! Like he he just it was a perfect release, and he scored it with. Um, I mean, never. I, I mean, he, he talked about how the puck came flat to him, mm-hmm. but like. I mean, a puck is never truly flat. Like, it's always got some spin to it. It's always wobbling a little bit. I mean, that's just it doesn't happen that much. So to be able to just catch that and release it in the way he did and for it to, man. And, and my absolute favorite thing about all of it is that if you look at the score sheet, last, at least the last one I looked at, it's credited as a wrist shot. <laughs> <laughs> is it really? Yeah. And so for those that don't know, like, goalie sticks just do not have any curve. I mean, like, they're... Well, not, and plus, I mean, you've got a catching mitt in like a glove in one hand and like this giant blocker in the other and you have to like take this giant unwieldy stick and like and it has to be the right situation you got to be i mean he he would never have done that if they weren't up to already yeah never would have. i mean it was just absolutely perfect yeah perfect moment so uh that was entertaining and uh yeah so all right my my say one nice thing about the nashville predators is um i i'm pretty excited and I think Predators fans are probably pretty excited that that Roman Yossi has a legitimate shot at the at the Norris Trophy this year. Right? We talked about this in a, in a show previously. Um, I don't think he's. I, I, I think he's obviously going to be in the top three. I think at this point, if he ke- keeps this pace up, especially, he will be a finalist uh, just based on points. And that's all they care about with the Norris is if they have if you know it's basically the top three point getters with for defense. So it's probably going to be Carlson and Dougie Hamilton and Roman Yossi right now. Uh, his now his 12 game point streak came to an end today in Winnipeg. Uh, but even saying that, he's still only shooting like nine percent. You know, you usually see these defensemen that are shooting like a ridiculous eighteen percent, and then they're 
their shooting percentage crashes down. He's still shooting a reasonable yeah. percentage. Well, nine, nine percent. So that's gonna, what's going to be interesting is under Hines to see how that changes because nine yeah. percent is still high for defense. It is high for a defenseman. Yeah. So I'll, I'll be curious to see how that changes. It's not Brent Burns shooting twenty percent high. <laughs> Brett Burns, positionless <laughs> hockey. Let's uh, do it. But so that's my nice thing is Roman Yossi is playing like he's never before. It is he's insane to watch. It's so much fun watching him out there, and uh, he's got a legitimate shot to win the Norris. Uh, yeah, it'd be, I think he deserves it with Carlson just based on more defensive play as well. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not to say, yes, exactly. He's been uh, a better defenseman as well. So my, my bonus nice thing, and this is just opportunistic in, in, in the most pure way, um, the Predators' gold home jerseys are so much nicer than the monstrosities that have leaked for Nashville SC. <laughs> uh, the Nashville SC, it is the color of a highlighter taking a urine test. <laughs> it really is They bad. are, and they're oh, just, God. they're just blank. It looks like a construction site. It, it is just yellow, and it's got the required Adidas stripes in the arms, and... You know, I'm I'm gonna be biased. I am like I have already declared I am remaining devoted to my Philadelphia Union. Yeah. I am not like gonna be doubling this up because because you know Nashville will eventually move east. We all assume, and I am not going to cross those allegiances. Gotcha. Period. Yeah. So I am already you know Nashville sees already the enemy just because you know Philadelphia Union. Sure. Um, but man, those are. It looks like something like the T dot would come out and say these are now the required apparel for all of our highway workers at night. They like, are rough. They have to wear these now. So, but you know, we haven't seen the full uniform, so you know, maybe maybe they'll it'll balance out and look solid. And it also but... has no. I mean, look, you, you you know this about me. I am not into like sports fashion. It's just something I don't pay attention to. But I did notice this um, after looking at it. There's almost no. Um, flair or design to it it's just a color yeah and and, and the three stripes are because that's because it's required it's adidas. From adidas yeah so it's like what even is there yeah what is that what is what is the design here? yeah and trust me i like you know i have to you know i the Philadelphia union don't exactly have like the world's greatest history of jerseys i mean everyone remembers the the khaki kits from year one with the giant weird vertical middle you know blue stripe and those things were Horrible, and they've had some other really over-designed ones in 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 recent history. Um, but man, at least they had personality. At least there was something going on. Maybe another blue and gold scheme, but it right. wasn't like highlighter yellow. It's rough. So the predators. So predators. I mean, it makes me appreciate how different they look. And you know, I know there's some controversy over jer the jersey sometimes, and if they're actually not good. But like, there's personality to them. You know, when I look at the yellow helmets versus the blue ones in the past, you know, I kind of like them better with the yellow helmets compared to the blue ones. Just, just I still miss looking, the blue. Looking back, like, I hated the yellow ones at first, but now when I see photos of the blue, it just looks wrong. Feel free to call them. And I would have never... Yeah, well, I mean, it was very nice. Of, I was being nice, so I said gold in the first one, but it's, it's you know... It's you can not. call it whatever color you want. Oh, now it's yellow. I was being nice. Now I'm being me. <laughs> now I'm being right... Um, okay, well, there we go. We said one nice thing about the Nashville Predators, and actually, Link said two nice things about the Nashville Predators. So uh, there you go. Um, okay, let's uh, let's talk about one last thing before mm. before we uh, can close up shop here. Um, the Predators have three games until their bye week uh, slash the All Star break, which co coincides for them. They play at the Oilers, they play the Ducks at home, and then they play the Sabers. So 
Uh, the the at Oilers is a pretty big game, uh, considering the Oilers are ahead of them in the standings and and probably a better team right now. And uh, then they have the Ducks at home, who they just lost to in the shootout. And then the Sabers are having I don't know where you think about the Sabers. Are, are, they're not good, right? I'm, assume, I'm assuming <laughs> the, the Saber the Sabers are uh, they're they're all over the place. They're sort of like maybe where the Predators were. A couple oh, days right. ago, Jeff, Jeff Skinner's injured. Yeah, they're um, and Jack Eichel is still very good. Obviously, yeah, they're Carter they're still quite a few points. They're probably like seven. I want to say they're like seven, seven or or eight points, maybe nine points out of wild card spot. So I mean, they're and they're still probably con- cooked for the year. They're still convinced Carter Hutton is an NHL goalie. <laughs> uh, Linus Hallmark is the better goalie between the two of them, and I barely even know right. who he is. So there you go. All right. Um, so those three games, those those are pretty massive games. Yeah. If the Predators go, this is this is a bonus six question for you. This is a five on five bonus. So you got you got overtime. It's a it's a delayed penalty. You got an extra skater out there. Uh, if the Predators win those three games, actually, let me let me ask it. They will way. have six more points. <laughs> yes, I did <laughs> you, it. You win. I solved the puzzle. <laughs> How many of those three games do they need to win in order to feel like they really have some some momentum going into the All-Star break? Do they have to win all three? Can they just win two or one? They they need at least five or six points, in my opinion. Okay. Um, the Oilers are rivals for playoff positioning. Yeah. The Oilers are the team the Predators are chasing for a wild-card spot or better. So you need to make up ground. The yeah. Ducks are the lowest of low in the West— and are a bottom four team league wide. They have got to come over. You have points. to. You have yeah. to beat the Ducks, especially yeah. on home ice. Buffalo, not a great team. Not a horrible team. They can surprise you. They can come out. They can win games. They have talent. Their Eastern Conference. Eastern Conference should be free points. You you have to get at least one point out of any Eastern Conference game. Every mm-hmm. Eastern Conference game you lose and get zero points out of is yeah. is even more is is just a wider gap. I mean. It, I feel like you have to get points from those. Yeah. Uh, and that's a very winnable game for the National Predators. So, I mean, five of six at minimum. Get a real win streak going because this team, if they want to be a playoff team, need real win streaks. And they've been doing a lot of win two, bomb a whole bunch. Win two, bomb a bunch. <laughs> they can't keep doing that. And this is this is the time to make a statement and then get some rest. Yeah. And yeah, it's getting getting to crunch time because uh, you've always got the trade deadline. I'm sure ne- next week we might go into more on, on trades because you know that'll tell us a little bit more about where the team is. Uh, you know, prior to this coaching move, we had no idea, and maybe still don't have any idea about whether they would be buyers or sellers. Um, so we'll definitely talk about that. Um, but prior to the trade deadline, and if the words "wake up call" occur <laughs> any time over the next week. Something has gone horribly wrong, and we might as well just pack in the season yeah. if I want to be super negative now. Yeah, it, wait, we're done with the wake-up calls. Um, they right. can lose, but just no wake-up calls. <laughs> you can check out plenty of hockey coverage at A-to-Z-SportsNashville.com. Uh You can follow me on Twitter at AlexDarty1. Follow Link on Twitter at 3DLink. Uh, we will see you for Episode 7 on January 26th, which is a couple weeks away. Uh, any last words? Final thoughts? Uh, no, I've shared everything. I've given you all that I have to give. The tea that you made me was fantastic, so I appreciate well, it's, that. Well, it's one of my small set of skills. <laughs> we will see everyone next time. <laughs>